Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. We've been talking about the law of faith except for last week when we had our special service. Uh, I want to continue once again on the law of faith and look at it from some practical perspective. And so living by faith doesn't mean that we ignore natural laws. It doesn't mean that we throw common sense out the window and neglect practical wisdom. It doesn't mean that we can live irresponsibly and still expect to experience the blessings that God has for us in this life. No, as we by faith cooperate with God and do our part, then God will honor his word and do his part. And as we work together with him, we can achieve his purposes and his will can be fulfilled in our lives on the earth. It's almost like playing a game of checkers. God moved when he gave his only begotten son. We move then by experiencing him, by accepting him as our savior and Lord. And after we do that, he moves and recreates our spirit and gives us eternal life. So if you know the laws or the rules that apply to checkers, one moves, then the next one moves, and then the other one moves again. That's how, that's the order of it. Same way. God moves. He moved and gave us Jesus. We move, we accept him. And since he gave us Jesus, he gives us, gives us all things freely, correct? Romans 8, 32. Then when we move, acting on his word in faith, boom, he moves again to make it a reality in our lives. And so it's important to recognize that. So he's already moved. So let's look at some of the things that we have to do in order for us to experience the fullness of the blessings of God in our lives. Number one, we understand that faith works by love. In the book of Galatians chapter five and verse six, it's important that we make our move. And that includes walking in love. For in Jesus Christ, are you in Jesus Christ tonight? Neither circumcision, which means you're a Jew, availeth anything, nor uncircumcision means you're a Gentile. So it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. That's what this whole book is all about. Okay? But what matters is faith which worketh or is energized by love. Faith works by love. So if faith is absolutely essential into tapping into all the grace of God, and if it's love that energizes our faith, or we could say it this way, love is what makes our faith work. It's important that we live in and walk in the realm of love, God's love. Why? So our faith can be energized. So our faith can be active and effective and effectual so that we can receive from God on high. So if we want to be infect, effective, we're going to have to walk to love. So we can't expect to receive from God if we, for example, are unforgiving toward other people or if we have animosity in our hearts toward other people how do I know that look at Matthew or Mark's gospel chapter 11 verse 24 we'll begin with that verse and through 26 therefore meaning because of the law of faith I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray believe that you receive them and you shall have them now we could stop there if we wanted to but these next two verses are very important and when you stand praying forgive 
if you have aught or anything against any, why, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Well, if we're in sin or in the sin of unforgiveness, we're told in the book of Isaiah that sin can keep him from hearing us or can stop him from hearing our prayers comes between us and God. So we want to make certain that when we exercise our faith, that we're walking in the realm of God's love. We're not holding unforgiveness toward anybody, animosity toward anybody. To be honest with you, we can't afford it. And the enemy will bring all kinds of situations our way to get us out of love, to get us into strife, division, to get us into unforgiveness, bitterness, malice, and the list goes on and on. Why? To make our faith less effective. And so it's important we recognize the wiles of the wicked one. And we do something about unforgiveness and animosity and bitterness. There was a woman who was in need of healing. She had some serious stomach issues. And she, no matter how many times she went into the healing line, she never got healed. Over and over and over again for 25 years. Long, long time. Well, one day she heard about, if you're holding animosity and bitterness toward anyone, then it's going to shut down your faith, and God's not going to be able to do what he wants to do in your life. She was ready to go to a healing line once again, and this time before she did, she called her brother on the phone. This is hard for me to imagine, but for 25 years, she was in unforgiveness toward her brother. For 25 years. She called him and asked his forgiveness for holding this against him. They made up. And then she said she took a little nap before she would go to the healing service and get in line to be healed. When she woke up, every symptom was gone before she ever got there. Completely healed of all the symptoms because she forgave her brother and they mended their relationship. And so you realize you can pray for somebody and nothing ever happened. And you don't know why sometimes. Because we don't know people's hearts. We don't know what's going on on the inside of them. And then you get stumped and you kind of think, well, they came up there and they said the right thing. They're praying the right prayer. They exercised their faith. But they're not getting healed. They're not receiving from God. Why is that? And you may not know. One time I prayed for some lady and she was not getting her healing. And I've told you this before. And just wasn't getting healed. She had a lazy eye because her muscle was deteriorated from her eye because of sugar diabetes. And after about a few weeks of going over the house, and that's when the church was small in Midland and 35 people at the time. And I would go there with my Bible, open it up, read all the right scriptures, show her that by the stripes of Jesus she's healed. And finally after... So many weeks, I just finally just said, Sister, as I walked in the house, I heard the word of my spirit, bitterness. I said, does bitterness mean anything to you? She said, yeah, I'm bitter. I said, you are? Yes, I am. And I said, well, you know, if you're bitter, you're blocking, you're short-circuiting the power of God from operating in your life. Oh, I didn't know that. I said, well, you are. See, once again, all it takes is an adjustment. I said, if you get that right, that's how you get your healing. You better get that right. So she did. Came the following week. Got it right. Came up to the altar. She said, I got it right. I made it right. 
When I prayed for her, power of God came on her, recreated her muscles in her eye. Recreated those muscles in her eye. Went back to her doctor the next day and the doctor said, where did you go? Somewhere to some specialist in Pittsburgh because we can't do that. That's impossible to do. What, what happened? Is there some new procedure? She said, no, I just went to the altar and Jesus healed me. Can you imagine the look on his face when he heard those words? But she got healed. She got a creative miracle. As a result of what? Getting it right. Getting the bitterness out of the heart. There was a pastor. And in this locality where he was, another pastor came in to start a church. I guess it wasn't too far away. Well, he had animosity. And he held a grudge against this pastor for doing this on his territory. So he wasn't happy with them. But this pastor had ulcers, stomach ulcers, severe case of stomach ulcers, and he had to go to the doctors and finally got a head surgical procedure that was done for the stomach ulcers. Well, that didn't last very long. They all came back. He heard the same message. He did the same thing. He let go of the grudge that he had toward this other pastor. And when he did, he was instantly healed. Stomach ulcers were completely gone. All the pain left. And he stayed healed. Because why? He walked in the realm of love. You know, the Bible says we're to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. With all of our understanding. If you recall the, the one the scribe that asked Jesus, which is the greatest commandment of all. And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the, then the rabbi, or the, the scribe, finally answered back and just said, yep, you're right. To love him with all your heart, understanding, mind, strength is the first commandment and the second one to love your neighbor as yourself is more than all the burnt offerings. Now imagine all those burnt offerings that we've ever offered. And Jesus said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Notice and love your neighbor. How? As yourself. But you didn't notice that Jesus raised the bar on that and said, now love your neighbor as I love you. Lay down your life for them. So in other words, there's no room for animosity. There's no room for bitterness. And yes, we're challenged every day with all kinds of situations that we can encounter if we want to. If we want to allow ourselves to be full of strife, bitterness and envy and, and malice and so on and so forth. We can. But you know what? It just clogs up the circuit. It short circuits the power of God. And it stops God from doing what he wants to do. All right. Now. If we find ourselves in a situation that maybe we've been praying for something for a long period of time and nothing has happened, we should check our love walk. Always check your love walk. Am I walking in love? Am I loving God with every fiber of my being? Am I loving people as Jesus loved me? Lord, I want to walk in that realm because that's the realm of the miraculous. Number two, Galatians chapter six, we're talking about spiritual laws and natural laws as well. So they kind of come, come together. Look at this. Be not deceived, misled, misguided. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if, that big word, if we faint not. How many know that God never faints? But we can. But notice here, this is a, what I just call faith and farming. They kind of go together. Jesus taught faith and farming. He used it to illustrate what faith is all about and how it works. So everyone should know, I would think every farmer should know that you're not going to reap a crop if you don't sow any seed. We all believe that here tonight? No seed sown, no crop. 
reaped. That's common sense, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, it's also common sense to say that if I sow beans, what am I going to get? If I sow beets, what am I going to get? Beets. Common sense. Practical wisdom. So if we sow to the flesh, what are we going to get? Death. Things that pertain to death. If we sow to the spirit, what are we going to get? Things that pertain to life. That's easy to understand, isn't it? Now, a farmer knows if there's no seed sown, what are we going to get? Absolutely nothing if we don't sow the seed. So what's important for us to do in all the areas of life that we want God to bless us? Find the seed of his word and sow it within the heart. And if we'll do that and keep it there, it'll absolutely produce a result. Look at 1 Peter 1.23 because here we have a revelation of the seed of God's word. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Notice the seed, which is the word of God, is incorruptible, indestructible. You can buy a packet of seeds and some of those seeds can be destroyed. Won't produce anything. But the seed of God's word is indestructible, incorruptible. It will always produce after its kind. There's no failure on the part of the seed. So it's important to remember that. God's word, God's seed, when planted into a right soil, condition of the heart, will always produce the result that, it's been, that was planted, whether it's for salvation, whether it's for healing or deliverance or whatever, financial prosperity, whatever. Okay, look at Psalms 107. Because now we know the seed is the incorruptible word of God. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. What did he send? His word. His word is the incorruptible seed. Jesus was the word made flesh. He sowed as a sower the seed of God's word to all mankind. We have a revelation of it right here in the Bible. All the things that he said. But now we see that the seed is incorruptible. It is the word of God. It will produce after its kind when it's sown in the heart of an individual whose heart is good soil. Now, he sent his word to heal us. If we need healing, how can we get healing if we're not sowing the seed? How can we reap a harvest of healing if we're not sowing the seed? So, too often, I think what we want is, you know, just a quick fix. I want a quick fix too. What about you? Everyone likes to have a quick fix. Just come and, you know, get it done. And that's great. But we're not going to live our whole Christian life that way. We need to get into the Word of God, find out what it says, and then sow the seed of God's Word into our hearts and keep it there until it produces a result. Jesus said that's how it works, but we'll see that in just a moment. But in the book of Proverbs chapter 4, we have instructions with regard to our response to the seed of God's Word. My son, attend my words. Well, how, Lord, are we going to attend or give attention to your Word? Number one, incline your ear to my saying. Just as a parent would say to a son or a daughter, listen to what I'm saying. Yeah, but the doctor said, listen to what I'm saying. Yeah, but my neighbor said, listen to what I'm saying, no one else. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Okay? Let them not depart from thine eyes. Think about what I'm saying. Same thing with your son or daughter. 
Listen to what I'm saying. Now think about what I'm saying. Go to your room, sit down, and think about what I just told you. Think it through for a while. Meditate upon that. Same thing with the Word of God. Listen to what I'm saying. Think about what I'm saying. How easy is it for us to think the negative? How easy is it for us to think about the problem and the situation, the adversity, the circumstances, and all that? Easy. Someone says, well, teach me how to meditate. Well, you know what? Just think about your problem for a while as you get done doing that for about 15, 20 minutes. Do the same thing with the Word of God. It's easy to meditate the problem, isn't it? You can paint a picture of it in your mind. Enemy does that. Think about it. Cast down thoughts that become in images or imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and take into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. And so it's a mind game, so to speak. It's between our ears where the battle is at. So listen to what I'm saying. Think about what I'm saying. Now notice this. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Keep means to protect them within your heart. Why? Because they are life to those that find them and then health or a medicine to all their flesh. So his word, the seed that's incorruptible, is a medicine or health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. Protect it because out of it are the issues of life. What am I protecting my heart from? Spiritual enemies that are coming against us. Guilt, condemnation, inferiority, unforgiveness, bitterness, malice, and all kinds of things, spiritual things the enemy will bring our way. And so we have instructions here in God's word that will help us better understand how we can reap the harvest of healing in our lives. But we've got a part to play in it. God has a part to play in it. And our part is to cooperate with him by getting the word of God, planting it into the soil of our heart, keeping it there, allowing it to produce a result. The seed's incorruptible. Now, the most, one of the most important sections here is Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. This is what Jesus taught about the operation of the word within the heart of a man or a woman. The sower sows the word. He's sowing the seed, the word. And these are they by the wayside, which when the word is sown, but, but when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Immediately. He's not attacking them He's attacking the word that was sown in their hearts. So he wants to remove the seed of God's word from their heart before it takes root and produces fruit in their lives. And so what's he going to do? Whatever it is that you're believing God for. Did you ever notice sometimes if you're believing for finances, you get another bill in the mail the next day? You ever notice that? Or an appliance breaks down? Or the car needs some tires or whatever it might be? Why? Because the enemy wants to get us to a place that we kind of get frustrated because it's not happening. Same thing with our physical bodies, you know. I had one tell me this, this was some time ago, but said to me, I never was sick until I got here and started healing about, learning about healing. I started learning about healing, all of a sudden, boom, I get attacked. What's going on here? I said, well, that's the enemy coming to steal the word. And trust me, you may need it someday. <laughs> right? All right. And these are they which are sown on stony ground which when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. But notice this, and have no root in themselves. And so endure, but for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So now we have the second soil. Stony soil. No depth of earth. 
you've heard it said, you've heard it preached, and you try to act upon it, but it's really not yours. It's what you've heard, and it's not, once again, deep in your heart, but it's on its way. It's not on the surface anymore. It's getting down there, but it's, get down, it's got to get down further, and it's got to stay there longer if it's going to produce a result. And so, enemy comes along and knows that. So what does he do? Persecution and affliction will arise for the word's sake. Trust me, you and I are not that important. But the word, but the word in you is big time as far as the devil's concerned. He does not want you operating in the word of God because he knows you become a threat to his work and his kingdom. And so when we embrace the word of God and we get that word of God down deep within our hearts and it becomes a reality in us, it's life-changing and devil-wrecking. He doesn't like that. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word. What's he saying? Now we've got thistles and thorns that are choking out the word, its productivity. The word is incorruptible. But the devil knows if he can get us so preoccupied and busy with all kinds of the cares of this world, the lust for other things, the deceitfulness of riches, then we don't give the word ample time to really take root within our hearts and produce the fruit that we're looking for. And we can become wishy-washy. We've got too much time, you know, for other things and not enough time for the word in our hearts. So those are three conditions, three soil conditions that tells us that even though the seed of God's word is incorruptible, it's not going to produce a result if it's on hard soil, shallow soil, or stony soil. I'm sorry, um, thorny soil. Now here's the fourth one. And these are they which are sown on good ground, good soil, such as hear the word, receive it, and bring forth some 30-fold, 60-fold, and some a hundredfold. Notice 30, 60, 100. Good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Notice it's the conditions of the soil that's really emphasized here. As to whether or not the seed of God's word is going to produce a result depends on the condition of the soil. So the soil, the heart has to be protected diligently because we've got so many enemies of the soil. Go back to the very beginning. Can you imagine what the soil would have been like without any bugs, thorns, thistles. I'm talking about the Garden of Eden. Can you imagine the beauty of that garden? Can you imagine the condition of the soil and how beautiful it probably was? Well, we know that it had to be. It was perfect. But then what did, G, what did God say after man fell? Now it's gonna, you're going to work hard and it's going to produce thorns and thistles and all this ugly stuff that's going to choke up. This expression, ever hear this expression? Man, you're growing like a good tomato plant. You're growing like a beautiful flower. What do you hear? You're growing like a weed. Because weeds grow in cement. They grow anywhere and everywhere, right? You're driving down a highway, you see a, a weed coming up from the road. You just go, really? You're surrounded by cement, but yet you just grow. Not much care. It just grows. See, we're challenged in this area. We have to, on purpose, hear the word, understand the word, receive the word, keep it protected within our heart, and then all the distractions that are out there to try to get us off course and uproot our seed, our plant, 
finally. We've got to keep them out like a good farmer does. Now, number three, faith isn't copying another person's actions. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 29. Here's where we can really get into trouble by mimicking or copying what someone else has done to receive from God. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. That's the Israelites. Which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. Now, wait a minute. The Israelites had the green light. Israelites walked across on dry ground. And what did the Egyptians do? Try to mimic what they were doing. Try to follow what they were doing. Well, if they can do it, I can do it too. Oh, really? Did God give you the go-ahead? Did God give you the green light to do that? Absolutely not. So what happened to them? <clears throat> they all died. As a result of trying to do something God never told them to do, but told someone else to do. So the Egyptians, we could say, had no basis for faith whatsoever. They couldn't do and shouldn't have done what they were doing. Faith is acting on what God tells us to do, whether that's in his word or by his spirit, we do what God says to do. That's our basis for faith. Remember what Mary said to the servants? Whatsoever he saith to you, do it. And when Jesus said, go fill the water pots up with, with water, they did. Go give it to the governor, they did. It resulted in what? A miracle. Water was turned to wine. Can you imagine if you now and I went to do something at some wedding somewhere? And we just picked up a bunch of water pots and went down to the Ohio River and picked some, put some water in it and just carried them over to the bride and groom. Here's our present to you. A fish went in there and all kind of garbage and everything. A rag from the bottom. <laughs> never mind. We won't go to the Ohio River. All kind of stuff can be in that river. You never know. But if God didn't say to do it, that we're acting foolish or presumptuous, and it's not faith in, in operation or action. We've got to either have the word, you've embraced it, you've meditated it, and now it's become a reality to you, and you're going to act on it like the woman with the issue of blood, or the Spirit tells us this is what you need to do in this situation. Okay, Naaman the leper, once again, is a perfect classic example. Was told to go dip seven times in the river, and you'll come clean. Leprosy will be gone. He turned and walked away from a miracle because of his pride and arrogance. Was it the will of God for him to be healed? Absolutely. Was everything set in motion for him to be healed? Absolutely. Was he given instructions? Absolutely. Did he attend to the word? No. Did he incline his ear to the saint? No. Did he think about what was said? Uh-uh. Not at all. Did he keep it in his heart? Nope. Did he protect his heart? Absolutely not. His arrogance took over. His pride took over. He's walking away. Isn't it something that God, we said, can use a an animal, right? He can use a donkey. These lowly servants. See, here he is, the high and mighty warrior, decorated warrior. His little lowly servants, they say, Master, if he told you to do something great, you'd have done it if it was noble. Yeah. Are you out of your mind? Go dip in a river seven times and come clean. Oh, he heard it, thought about it, did it. Got down here. What happened? He comes up clean. After all the pride was stripped away from him, he comes up clean. No more leprosy in his body. 
how much better would it be if we would all just be that sincere with God enough to say, I'm listening. What is it that I need to do? And I'm talking about me and all of us. What do you want me to do? Show me a scripture. Speak into my ear. Whisper to me. What is it that you want me to do? And when you know that God says to do something and he is in it and behind it, you can bank on it. You can bank on it for sure. Now, remember the ones, the commands that were given? Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Was a miracle consummated? If he, would there be a miracle consummated if he didn't go wash in the pool of Siloam? Absolutely not. He could have been like Naaman saying, I got better rivers where I come from. Well, I got a better pool over here, Lord. Why should I go that far? I can't see. But no, what did he do? He went and washed in the pool of Siloam. Take up your bed and walk. What if the fellow didn't take up his bed to walk? Stretch forth your hand. What if he didn't take, stretch forth his hand and said, I can't do that? See, it's working together with God, co-laboring together with God. God doing his part, we doing our part. God says to go wash. That's his move. Our move is to go wash. His move then is to make sure we're clean or make sure we see or whatever the miracle is. So, there was a, and I've heard this so many times, but the, the horrible case. When people were so excited about the faith message and how to act on the word of God and do the word of God, they were so gullible they would do anything. And these parents, they were really in faith. They had a faith conviction within their heart that God spoke to them and said, take your child off of the medication because that child is healed. So they did exactly that. And the child went back to the doctor. The doctor saw the child and said, I don't know how it happened, but you're healed, completely whole. Gave their testimony and other parents did the same identical thing that they did. This is called copying someone else's faith. This is called mimicking what God told someone else to do. What happened? Their child died. There's the difference right there. Their child died because they didn't give that child the medication that they needed for his survival. This child lived with the same medication, but the problem was this. Situation was this, I should say. God said, they're healed, now take it off. You don't need it. There's a difference between you don't need it, you're healed, and I'm going to try what they did. I'm going to do what they did. I'm going to mimic what they did. I'm going to copy what they did. That's not faith. That's foolishness. That's presumption. That's not using good common sense. As long as you need it, use it. Eventually get to the place where the doctor confirms that you don't need it any longer. Or God says to you, you don't need it any longer. You can take your child off of that. That's the way to do it. That's cooperating with God. Number four, faith for finances. We all know the verse. Philippians 4.13. My God shall supply all your need according unto his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Right? We love that verse. When I went off to school at Ramah, I must have said that word, that scripture a million times times. I knew I was leaving my job, a good paying job to go down there and get a part-time job, minimum wage. Not good. Le leaving all my benefits behind, and I knew that. But God said to go. You know, if God says to do something, he is the one who's responsible to make it good. And so I left. But I said that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again until it got deep inside my heart. Because every situation that I encountered down there at Ramah in Tulsa, Oklahoma, it wasn't good. But on every occasion, I reminded him of what he said for me to go. And I said, Lord, you're the one who supplies my need. And he always came through. That's how faith is built. 
But that verse is a wonderful verse, but also there's some common sense here. Look at this, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. This is from the New King James Version of the Bible. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. Notice, commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. When I was at school, there were those that said, you know what, we can get such strong, robust faith that we'll never have to work another day in our lives. We'll just believe God to send money. That was 40, over 40 years ago. I'd like to know where they're at if they really live by that concept. How many of you know that that scripture nullifies what they just said? You don't work, you don't eat. Period. We've got to cooperate with God, do our part, if we want God to do his part. So God's part, his part is to say this. Our part would be to what? Get a job. His part then would be make up the difference. So when I went off to school and even knowing that I'm supposed to be there, and I had part-time, like I said, I, hadn't, I did not make enough money part-time minimum wage to pay for all the things that I needed. But you know what? I did my part. I was trying to find more work, and I worked as much as I could, and God took care of the rest. And within a nine-month period, I had three jobs. Each one paid more each time. God will promote us. And before I left Oklahoma, the owner of the rock quarry where they made gravel and that sort of thing that I took care of and cleaned up the belt and all the overflow of all the rocks and everything, which was a very laborious job, very difficult job, thousands of pounds of rock I shoveled every day. He said, I want to know that guy that made my rock quarry looked like a picnic grounds and my my boss said that's him right there he said you're ever here ever again in Tulsa Oklahoma I know you're leaving you have a job right here with this company ever and shook my hand and commended me for what I did so we have to work hard even though it's a hard working thing that I had to do and God will do his part for promoting and that's how promotion comes but once again we've got to work look to eat look at Genesis chapter 3 and this is what it goes back to Andrew has really been on my case about going to meet Adam and Eve and giving them a piece of his mind. Almost every other day, that's all I hear. Mm-mm. Wow, fired up. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened. This is from the Amplified, the classic version. You have listened and given heed to the voice of your wife. And have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Boy, you, you, look at that verse. Look, look at those verses. You listened to your wife's voice, but you wouldn't listen to mine. Mm. The ground is under a curse because of you. God didn't do it. Adam did it. In sorrow and toil shall you eat of the fruits of it all the days of your life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. You think God meant business? I believe he did. So we have to work to eat. And I agree with uh, Andrew. Had they not done that, all we'd have to do is speak to the rocks speak to whatever we want to have happen but no they made it hard for us look at proverbs chapter 6 we're talking about some practical wisdom some common sense the things we have to do to cooperate with god so that we can use our faith to experience all the things that god has for us 
This is the New Living Translation. I kind of liked what I read here. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work. They labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Wow. Learn the lesson he is saying from the ant. Work hard. God will do his part. And then Deuteronomy 28, look at verse 8. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. Notice all that you set your hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So if our hand's not doing anything, what does he have to bless? Nothing. And what is nothing times nothing? Nothing. We're not doing, no, we're not doing anything. He can't do anything. And so we end up with nothing. Right? Right. So faith, in other words, there are spiritual laws to it. But also there's some good common sense practices that we all have to incorporate. We have to use practical wisdom to do the things that he wants us to do. We know that his word and faith work together to reveal to us his will and his ways. And so as we cooperate with him, whether it's believing God for healing by taking the scriptures and applying them to our lives, or if we need uh, finances, doing the same thing. In our conclusion, look at this verse here in Romans chapter 14, 22, because I think this ties it all together and really says it all. Do you have faith? This is the New King James Version. Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself and what he approves. So what is he saying? If you have faith, let that be something that's born out of intimacy between you and God. The true way to develop a heart of faith is to get alone with God, have a time of intimacy with God, listen to his voice, read his word, and let him influence us in the direction that he would have us to go. So that we know that we know that we know that we know that we know. This is God's revelation to me. This is what he's telling me to do. I will never, ever, ever, ever forget the words, fear not, only believe. Four words that brought Andrew to where he's at today. When doctors say he can't live, when they say it's impossible, and the list goes on and on, I'll tell you what, to be honest with you, it didn't take 150 scriptures. I knew instantly when I heard those words, it was like what he said to Jairus. Be not afraid, only believe. He told me, fear not, only believe. When they said he has no immune system, we believe. When they said he'll never suck, swallow, or believe, we believe. When they said he has no left pulmonary artery, we believe. When they said that it's no, there's no possible way that he can live, we believe. He can die in your arms or die in surgery, we believe. And the list went on and on and on. He has no thymus, partial thymus, from no thymus to a partial thymus, which of course the, the immune system was compromised like an AIDS patient, we believe. 
We believe, we believe, we believe. And it, he'll never be able to go through school. I don't know if you noticed, but last period he was on the high honors and, and it was in the paper. But you got to believe. But what do we believe? What God told us. See, when he said to Jairus, fear, fear not, or be not afraid, only believe, that was up to him to do. And not start crying because his daughter was gone. Exalt the word of God above the condition or the circumstance from a heart that's ha that has faith that was born out of intimacy with God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word. That's my basis for faith. Let's all stand together before the Lord.